0: So, the big question is this How do ordinary people like us that weren't born into money create true financial freedom, take back control of our lives, and live a life full of purpose, meaning, and fulfillment? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. Join me and follow along as I learn, apply, and share the strategies that the wealthy know and use that the rest of us weren't taught to create true financial freedom. My name is David Bell, and welcome to Pocket Mastermind. Cooper, welcome to the Pocket Mastermind podcast. How's it going?
1: Going well, David. Thanks for having me.
0: No, you're welcome. Um, So let's uh, learn a little bit about who Cooper Krause is before we dive into anything else more specific. Let's learn a bit about it. Who's the, who's the guy sitting opposite me and uh, <laughs> the listeners listening to right now?
1: Yeah, uh, uh, sitting opposite you across the pond right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. it's a very <laughs> log
0: opposite.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, again, my name is Cooper Krauss. Uh I uh, sit in Kansas City, Missouri, and uh, I'm from a town originally uh, called St. Joe, which is about an hour north of Kansas City. So. Uh, about sixty, seventy thousand people, pretty small town, and kind of the, the first in my family to step outside of that that city and move to right move free. to a metro. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I mean it's it's I, I like it. It's um, it was kind of something I always wanted to do growing up, just because my my uh, so I've got six siblings, so a pretty oh, wow. big family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so my dad and literally all of my brothers, which is the four. Uh, they all work at the same factory in St. Joe, um, you know, for John's controls, making batteries, which is mm-hmm. a, a great job for all of them. And then my my mom and my sister, they both are, are waitresses at the same restaurant. So just growing up, it's
0: a proper family style town then.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's one of those ones where like, if you don't know somebody in that town, it's it's almost weird just because it's <laughs> y- you just know everybody. So, but with that, I just at some point I was like, man, I I I respect them for what they do and they've you know provided a good life for me. But I just wanted to, to switch it up a little bit. So, Kansas City has allowed me to do that that pretty well. So yeah, I've been in sales for about six and a half years now. Um, got my first sales job. I was actually serving tables downtown Kansas city. And one of the guys I was waiting on was like, Hey man, that was, you kept that pretty organized and you had good customer service. Do you want to come sell insurance? And I was like, yeah, sure. Nice. I would love to get off, uh, get out of working for at a restaurant. So that's kind of how it all started. And, and, uh, now I'm uh, running uh, global sales at, at full scale, which is, uh, a, uh, a software development services company built specifically for entrepreneurs. So, uh, it's actually a really cool story. Our our two founders, they've built and sold tech companies for over a decade. They're both Matt, so it's uh, Matt DeCoursey is the CEO. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. I yeah, like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. The the two Matts. Yep. So, uh, yeah, Matt Decorsey is the CEO, and he is he's our he's kind of the 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 business founder. So he's uh, he's just an absolute hustler. Like he, he's not somebody who went to who went to college or anything like that. Graduated from college. He just understands how to, to run, scale, and, and grow businesses. Um, so he actually, he got a lot of his notoriety because he wrote a book called Million Dollar Bedroom, which was uh, the story about how he started a business, maxed out an $8,000 credit card, started a business in his spare bedroom, and that turned into a multi-million dollar business. Um, and so he, but in that book, he also interviewed a guy named Matt Watson, who uh, had started, a, he started building an automotive CRM tool and and platform and in his basement when he was working full-time somewhere else and uh he he grew that built that like his first employee was his dad so i mean it was like bootstrap true startup hustle uh and then in 2012 he sold that for 150 million dollars
0: wow
1: so both of these guys have have great experience with scaling companies from early stage to successful exit and something they did along the way on both sides was they utilized remote development resources to, to scale quickly and, of course, to control costs. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they, they kept noticing issues in communication and obviously time zones and um, resource reliability, like did the person that I just hire, is that actually the person that's doing the development or are they shopping that out to their cousin or friend or sibling or whatever it may be? So they built a model that really eliminates all those issues. Um, and so we've got a team of 200 developers down in Taboo City. We've been around for a little over two years and have, have grown really quickly from, of course, you know, no developers to, to 200 in just two years. So um, it, most of our clients are startups. We, we understand the ups and downs that go, go along with being an entrepreneur. And so our model allows for, you know, scaling up quickly, scaling down quickly, um, but having thoroughly vetted and, and dedicated full-time resources when you need them so uh yeah it's been it's been fun I'm actually the first sales hire for the company so I've been <laughs> able to come in and and uh see a lot of what it's like to kind of work for something that's similar to a startup which has been fun so
0: yeah, yeah. you get to set the agenda right you can uh...
1: yeah which is daunting and exciting yeah it's, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's, true. yeah it's 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 definitely got its us and and it's definitely got its challenges for sure
0: and so, what kind of um, what kind of services do you develop in? Uh,
1: the the significant portion of it is is mobile and web applications, uh, SaaS platforms. Mm-hmm. We've dabbled into. We, we've got a small machine learning and AI team, so we've we've done some of that work. I wouldn't say that it's yet a, a specialty, but I would also I would caution anyone on you know, uh, saying that anybody's got a really strong expertise in AI yet. You know, we've got some, some really great people on our team that can do some, some solid work. And we've actually completed a few uh, ML projects internally for for us. Um, so I've got to see some of that work. And so I think we, we kind of look at it like we're going to test it out on ourselves, mm-hmm. let our guys get through the growing pains of, of messing up these algorithms until they, you know, they, they really figure it out. And so by the time that we build them out to clients, they know what they're, they know what they're doing. So um, we've kind of taken that, that burden on internally and now they're, they're, they're well experienced. and can, can do some great work. So yeah, it's mobile apps, web apps, SaaS platforms, you know, really complex web applications, Um, some machine learning, AI. We've done a few, we've done a few like AR, VR projects, but again, not, not a specialty for us. So um, a significant portion is, is uh, web and mobile apps. And how do you
0: tend to work with other businesses? Do you provide, are they, um, is, there, is it like commission the software and then, or or the platform or whatever it is they, they're buying from you and then you hand it over? Or is there a service element? Is there, is it ongoing support? Yeah. That kind of stuff. Because yeah. I think for anyone listening now who maybe is running a a startup and they're looking to start scaling and looking for, additional services whether it be apps or CRM yeah. system or whatever it is and, and yeah. be good to understand what's the process if you're if you're if you're in those shoes
1: yeah that's that's a really good question um, so it, it's really just a matter of it's kind of like you're hiring us as your software development team so we would never build a product and then go try to sell it to somebody um, we, we would also never say hey give us the specs give us all the tech specs we'll go away for three months and build it and hand it back to you. That's not really our model. Our our service model is called guided development. So really what that means is that our client's involvement is really crucial in the development because essentially what happens is we work with CTOs, CEOs, founders usually, and we understand uh, what type of skill set and what type of people they need, but they've already decided on the tech stack, the architecture, the wireframes, and we're coming in and essentially our developers are bolting onto their existing team on a full time dedicated basis and, and executing that, that complex development project. So um, it's sort of like, it's sort of like loan staff from, from accounting Mm -hmm. firms. Um, They're, they're all permanent employees of full scale salary PTO benefits. uh, And then, you know, we, we just make sure to align uh, our developers with client projects that are, that are aligned with their specialty. So, We're not, we're not being reactive in terms of a client reaches out and says, Hey, we need three Python developers. And then we go find those. We have a, we go find developers that we know make sense for full scales model. And then we go and we're very specific in our outreach of of who we work with. In fact, it's actually, as a salesperson, it it killed me when I first joined because our CEO, uh, Matt DeCourcy, he's very, very comfortable with walking away from business. If it's not the perfect fit for full scale, like he has no problem saying no, uh, which is a salesperson is like, I want to say yes to every single, <laughs> every single deal, right? But he's really taught me that it, it actually saves us, saves us a lot of time and actually generates more revenue for the company uh, by saying no to, to the companies that, that don't make sense. So, um, for example, generally speaking, if, if, a, if a firm does not have or a company doesn't have technical in-house leadership, like a CTO, VP of engineering, we, we usually don't, we, we almost will, will not say okay to that just because again, our developers aren't making those advisory level decisions Mm -hmm. about around tech stack and architecture. Uh, So we want our clients to be able to do that. So um, that along with, we don't do like two week or six week engagements. We're looking at, you know, six months plus uh, to come in and really be a part of the, a part of the team. So, um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of our service model is long-term engagements. You bring on, you know, a, a couple of developers and, and you can scale up if you need to, you can scale down if you need to, but we just, we bolt onto your team and, and make sure you get your product out to market.
0: So you, you kind of go. one of my, my, my next question was going to be, and you kind of covered it there is kind of what kind of size organizations do you, do you tend to work with? And I suppose that the smaller end, it makes absolute sense. You need somebody with yeah. that technical uh, expertise and who's going to be validating because there's no, there's nothing worse than uh developing something based off of a design document or a brief that the brief was flawed in the first place and then you make yeah. it and they say well yeah. this doesn't work and you say well that's what you asked us to produce <laughs> and you've got this exactly horrible, no yeah i've that's, seen that's that a million point. times yeah i've seen it a million times even with internal uh development <clears throat> teams right they go, you go oh, we'll make a a, a, a a business ready readiness design document and then it gets produced and it doesn't work. And you're like, well, why doesn't it work? And then, well, this is what you asked us to build. And, and it, yeah, the pain that you would go through as a, yeah with a, on a client, uh,
1: a relationship would be, would be tough. I need to bring you on some sales calls with me, man. Cause that's, I mean, <laughs> I, I hear that all the time and, and it's like, well, that's the reason we don't do it is because like when, when you sign before I joined full scale, I was with companies where we wrote SOWs, you know, and the, the SOWs were, accurate 0% of the time. Yeah. Exactly. You know, there, there's always. You don't know what you don't connected. know, do you at the
0: briefing. Yeah. Stage, yeah.
1: Right? <laughs> so yeah, we're, we're never going to say, Hey, we're going to build you this product with these features and this amount of time. And it's going to cost this amount of money. We, we just don't do that because it just never works out to be accurate. So we just say, Hey, here, here's a, the, the team of developers that, that you need. And it's a flat monthly fee because they're, you know, full-time dedicated resources, but how you manage them on a day-to-day basis is it depends on like you you seem like a great guy but i don't know how well you manage a team right so mm-hmm. it, it, that's why we're just like this is this is your team to manage um you know we've got development managers that are assigned to each project that have monthly check-ins with our clients and things like that but there's just so much variability in a project that we just we're not going to put our name on hey yeah we'll, we'll build you an mvp in three months it's like okay well how do you define an mvp this and is then if yeah. And then if it's like, well, you, the way that you've defined MVP, that's almost a fully robust product. That's going to take more than three months. So there there's just, there's a lot that goes into that.
0: Yeah. I think when most people just, dis- when most people say MVP in their mind, <laughs> what they really want is a yeah. full working model.
1: <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like MVP, you just, you scroll and click and then nothing, yeah. happens. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It doesn't, there's no, no way. That's what people really, really want. And right. what about, um, Uh, so, and do you service outside of the U S you predominantly U S based or.
1: Predominantly U S based, but we do have a, a couple, we actually have, uh, two clients in the UK, uh, we've got three or four in Australia. Um, and I'm, I'm hoping to get one in Japan pretty soon. So hopefully that comes together. We're, we're working through that right now. So, um, obviously time zones would line up great with that, uh, with our, with our developers in the Philippines. So, um. Yeah, we're we're definitely a global company, but the majority of our clients set in the U.S.
0: Mm-hmm. It tends to make yep. sense if if that's where you're based. Yeah. That you tend to, that's where the conversations tend to happen. Right? Yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I think I may have skipped over your question a little bit about who we service. So yeah, it's generally generally startups, um, but again, startups that we uh, that that have some stability. You know, we, we generally aren't working with day one startups that. Mm-hmm are you know haven't haven't even written a line of code yet you know we, we generally don't go that route we like to have some foundation before our team joins because it just it just helps with success rate. so
0: they tend to be businesses that already have product in market or something along those lines they, they are actually a functioning business
1: yeah yeah generating revenue would yeah, yeah. but but <laughs> you know you, you can be a startup for a long time and and you know still generate plenty of revenue you know so um yeah we're we're you know, that the ideal customer is less than a hundred employees recently funded innovative technology, trying to shift the landscape of their industry. Cause we promise our developers fun projects. that's how we can get such good developers from, uh, from, you know, frankly our competition down there. Um, and, and then we, we say no to clients until we find those, those fun engagements and then it works out well.
0: What kind of projects have you, have you worked on? What, what would you say has been? one of the more some of the more interesting projects that you've been inv- involved with
1: yeah so one of our clients uh he uh he the the platform that he has that we built for him uh or, or with him uh is a it's an e-learning web and mobile platform that um is it, it gamifies learning through uh, hip hop for uh, for um, usually for usually like inner city, uh, kids mm-hmm. or, or less privileged kids that, uh, that can use this platform to, to just help with, with education. So it's, it's targeted towards youth. And, uh, so we, we kind of built that, that platform and that storyline from, from scratch. Uh, there, there's a character line that our team worked on as well because we do have some creative services that we offer. It's just not a, a core part of our business, but we've, we've got some, some designers and, and animators, um, and so that was something that we helped him build from scratch. We actually have about 17, I think we own 17% of the company. Um, and he, uh, he went through TechStars Atlanta and got a $3 million investment. So that was pretty cool to, to right. see that. So yeah, it's a uh, uh, healthy hip hop is the name of the platform. And so that's it's a, like sounds, game, gamified that, that like learning smart. through hip hop. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: What a great yeah. idea that is.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And he, and he's a, a Kansas city entrepreneur. So we were excited to, to work with him and, and uh and back him and, and so yeah so we've i don't know if you if you uh it sounds like you took a look at, at our website so i don't know mm-hmm. if you saw there was a couple a couple companies that we have equity in and that that comes through development services so it's it's kind of like we get this amount of equity in exchange mm-hmm. for this amount of, of development services so um for the right startups are our, our uh our founders are, are interested in, in that type of conversation which is obviously appealing to most people that are trying to get a company off the ground.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's uh, yeah, it's definitely worth, I think if you, if, if you can, if you're looking at the longer game mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, startups are generally not exactly swimming in cash quite often. So <laughs> right. If right. you can, if you can make an exchange in equity for equity, uh, you get two. you end up with you guys are even more vested in, yep. uh, in the outcome of, of the business and 100%. they don't have to scrimmage around for more cash. They're going to have to pay back at some point. So it seems like a great
1: idea. Yeah. 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 Hybrid, something... hybrid
0: VC slash
1: uh, exactly. yeah.
0: organization. Yeah.
1: When they, when they told me they did that, I was like, wow, I mean, that's really, it's, it's one of those things where obviously it'll benefit it, it'll benefit us as an organization, but it, it really is super helpful for somebody who, just doesn't have enough enough cash, but maybe has the, the vision and the idea um, and maybe already has something put together uh, to where they can see like, okay, this this makes a lot of sense to, to pour some resources into. So, and for, for anyone who, who is listening and, and maybe even you, if you're interested in it, uh, the the Mats, they actually co-host a, a podcast called The Startup Hustle. And it's, it's fantastic for entrepreneurs. I mean, we bring on other founders, CEOs, CTOs each week. Um, to just talk about their company, their experience, their their passion, uh, what it's like to win, lose, you know, fall flat on your face, um, what it's like to go get funding and how much that sucks. Like it, it covers everything of what it's really like to be an entrepreneur. And uh, we're we're generally top 25 for entrepreneurship category on Apple. We get about 75,000 downloads a month. So they've got they've done a great job scaling that podcast, just like they have with their businesses. So. Um they've created a, a really cool ecosystem for for startups to to get a lot of resource uh, a lot of information from so um, definitely something for for entrepreneurs to check out
0: yeah definitely well worth uh, well worth having a listen what do you reckon yeah. do you see this model that you that you guys operate in expanding into the future and seeing actually even larger organ larger businesses potentially outsource effectively outsourcing their their technical yeah. development to to businesses like yourself?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, especially with everything that's happened in the last six or seven months, the, the idea that you wanted uh, your development team together in the same room, that has kind of gone away, and people know that really great work can get done without having to be in the same room. And so then now you look at the fact that having developers in the Philippines is extremely cost-effective, and you don't have to compromise on quality. In fact, I think there's a really good chance that they may be better than your, I mean, there's always that chance, right? I mean, it's because yeah. the, the way that we look at it is, um, so if we look if we're talking to a US customer and they're trying to determine whether or not to go with us, um, the, the, really the way that it looks, the, the way that it plays out is your US based developer better be twice as fast or twice as good or else it just makes sense to go with us. And the chances yeah. are they, they probably aren't like, cause we, we look at, we, we don't really hire very green developers. It's usually five to six years or more. Cause that's kind of that space where, and if anybody technical is listening that they'll, they'll understand that five to six year mark is where they go from being a developer into an engineer. Mm-hmm. And so that's really where we, we focus at so they can be autonomous and, and take direction and not have a lot of handholding and have minimal ramp up time. And so that that's kind of where we focus at. And so if we look at a, you know a U.S. based developer again, it's twice as fast or twice as good, or else it really makes sense to to look at our model. Um, and so now that everybody's working remote and, and we really don't know what the future of that looks like, uh, I, I think our model makes a whole lot of sense. And there there are definitely some some big companies that I know of um, that have already gone that that route. Uh, and I just think that the Philippines makes maybe even more sense than some other regions of the world just due to the fact that um, the, their second language in, in Cebu, city Philippines is English. So almost, you know, something we almost never have a complaint about is communication. So um, it, it's, yeah, I think it's going to grow. I think, you know, something else that, that we run into sometimes is, Hey, I really do like your model. Obviously it would save us a ton of money, but I just, I, I don't feel right about taking jobs away from my local market. We, we get, we, we hear that. And, you know, it's like, is that negatively impacting my local economy? And the answer is yeah, it, it is impacting it, but positively, because for example, again, so say we've got a startup in Kansas city uh, and we're able to provide them with really strong developers at half the price, then that money that they're not spending on a local developer, they can invest that back into the business or they have, you know, more personal money to spend on it, it, in Kansas city on other businesses. So, um, th- there are a lot of upsides to to utilizing remote development resources outside of the fact that it just saves you money.
0: It's true, and I think sometimes we can get distracted looking at one element. So, like you say, you know, the development element are we taking uh, roles out, you know, outside of the states for that? Mm-hmm. Maybe, but like you say, as the business grows, other support functions are more, are more and more likely to be local so yep there wouldn't those roles wouldn't exist if the business wasn't able to grow in the first place and you've got to look at the bigger picture in that scenario uh and you know on a whole uk us we've got to look at our skill sets as individuals anyway and be a step ahead Mm -hmm. kind of what's the next thing that we need to be producing as service to our own Our own GDP production, effectively, right? It's kind of yeah. You see all of these different services that were that we were leading the way and that are now going into different countries. So we need to find what's the next thing that where's the value that we offer locally.
1: Yeah, Yeah. and to them, yeah, yeah. It's I mean the world's just getting smaller and smaller. So we we can't pretend like we can just stay in our in these little wine yeah, exactly. forever you know.
0: <laughs> yeah. we'll all we'll all go, we'll all go back to farming and that, that'll solve the problem <laughs> yeah <laughs> give everybody yeah. an acre of land but, uh, you can, can grow what you can grow and <laughs> we'll just do trade. yeah,
1: <laughs> it yeah. We'll, we'll, know, see, we'll see what you can do with an acre yeah
0: yeah exactly times and times have moved on and and we've got to find we've got to take our <laughs> own responsibility for the for how we individually operate within a globalized uh world economy like yeah, it's easy to say, oh, it's not how it used to be, but it's never going to be how it used to be. It's always going to move, and we got to we got to change times.
1: especially now. I mean, there's going to be I think it's just a new a new normal now for for yeah. a, a, a while, right? So yeah,
0: well, you look at look at the um Facebook, Twitter, what the the large the 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 these companies that had large campuses in mm-hmm. San Francisco that are very expensive. And yeah. now say, now, well, you can now be remote. That opens the border effectively for yep. people to come and and, and be and work for Facebook from India, from yeah. anywhere in the world, right? Uh, that you don't have to be stuck in the Bay Area anymore. You don't have yeah. to go and live in and pay California tax. <laughs> and so, yeah. and yeah, exactly. so um, you know, where it was reserved for people to be in certain locations is definitely changing.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I think that's a good thing. I think that's, that's good for, I think that's good for people who maybe all um, to say that, that maybe they were kind of older executives who, you know, they're like, you know, we made money a certain way and that's how we're always going to. And then this quite literally forced them to realize, Oh, we don't need to be in the office at, yeah. at really, like, it is not, not a requirement and people are are working just fine or maybe even more, more effectively because, They're not in the office, uh, you know, they get to get a coffee and they stop and talk for, for 20, 25 minutes, which is a great thing. And you should always do that. But the truth is it just doesn't happen as much at home. Now, of course there could be distractions with kids and pets and life stuff, but I've talked to a lot of people that feel like they're, they're more effective working from home.
0: Less tired generally. Um, so many people commute at least an hour each way oh my god that are no I long like I commuting. so much
1: more time yeah and so
0: <laughs> so many people i've spoken to that got at least two hours a day back some of them three or four now, you yeah think that's a, four hours a day some people are commuting two hours each way to work plus the cost yeah. it's a huge yeah. it's a huge amount and i do think that's a
1: great point yeah
0: you know so many and, and i think until this happened people kind of just so sort of went kind of taught themselves into it. It's okay. And probably the commute incrementally increased, right? It probably was an hour. Then it became an hour and a half. Then it became two. Yeah. And before you know it, you're sat in traffic or on a train for four hours a day and you don't realize what an impact it has until it goes away.
1: Yeah. And then, and then it's like, all right, I'm never going back to that. So if my company does require, I'm I'm going somewhere else. And then now that company maybe loses a a great employee because they know it's just not not necessary, and they can add more value for the company by not, you know, getting those extra two hours of sleep. Yeah, or work, or working. You exactly. Know? <laughs> you yeah. can you can do yeah. all sorts
0: of stuff. All of those, uh, all of the side hustles that people didn't have time to do, they've now suddenly got time to do. Them. Yeah, absolutely. The exercise that you didn't have time to do, you can you can now do. And also, if you've got kids, you can. Some people that didn't get to really see the kids during the week get yeah. to see the kids now. They see them in the morning, they see them in the evening, and Yeah, it's for that angle. What, what's been going on is, has its upsides. There's obviously plenty of downsides with being everyone having their faces covered and all the rest of it. Um, right. But that, what, what, how that will play out will play out, I guess. And we'll just have to wait and see what happens.
1: Yeah. I mean, it feels weird to say, but there are definitely silver linings uh, in this. And uh, I mean, even, even from a business perspective for us, you know, again it feels it feels a little brash to say, but th- there were there were always going to be winners and losers of of this yeah. and again, because we were, were built on a remote working basis and we're cost effective and our developers are are pretty badass it's been great for us so um, you know it's almost like some people had to get forced into realizing this is a really good option and that's just the way it goes sometimes
0: yeah. Yeah. I mean, there are some um, businesses have been formed during this process that are hundred oh percent remote, you know, they didn't even exist until this happened and this has opened up the doorway for fully remote businesses to, to appear.
1: E-learning is blowing up. Yeah. Huge. Of course. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's exploding. We, we've had, we've had a lot of companies reach out that are just like, we, we just are getting so many client requests. We just, we need, we have no bandwidth. Um, Actually, we we have a customer uh, in in London who um, his he and his wife are in business together, and they had a in person kind of dance class, and it was you know she she had programs, she's a world class dancer, so she had programs, and then this happened, and then they pivoted, and they're like we're, we we need to build an online platform so we can keep our students and they can continue to grow, uh, so we're helping them through that now, and they they sit in London, but. It's just one of those things where they're like, all right, we have to pivot quickly if we're going to survive. And they realize it's that we've got to dump money, to, money into this now so we can be safe later. And then if things ever transition back, then they, the, their students will have that option of, as everybody should with work and with whatever, you know, uh, with college or any type of class you might be taking, now we'll have that option of uh, I can go in person when it makes sense or whenever I have too much stuff going on and I just need to knock out a class when I can, and they can do that online. So again, from their perspective, it's like, this is actually better for our business in, in the long run, cause we're going to, we're going to gain customers. We never would have mm. in, in, in general, because now we're, we can be a global company because we sit on, on the internet, uh, opposed to just in, in the UK.
0: Particularly businesses like that. I find very interesting because historically they they were really capped by the number of hours in the day and the people in the area and now suddenly your reach has become global and with recorded content you're able to deliver it 24 7 it's like a a complete if you can get your head around that then the opportunity is huge and like you say you still have the the ability in the future where where it makes sense for people to be able to come to your location and maybe they want the extra uh, tuition for something like that they can get yeah. that in person and that can be a, a service of its own, but your, your standalone service becomes the, the digital a yep. uh, version of what you, what you do. And yeah. I, th- I see what, quite a few businesses starting to move in that direction.
1: What are the, what are the universities in, uh, in London doing in terms of, in terms of, uh, all, online classes versus kids going to campus? Are they, are they back at school or it
0: varies? Um, it very much okay. varies. So, um, For the top, for the top unis, for example, Oxford, uh, have in-person lectures. Cambridge is all online, I believe until 2020. end. well, I think it's probably end of summer 2021, if not 2022, Um, uh, in, in, in itself, right. Is if you are paying the fees to go to Oxford or Cambridge or, you know, in the States, Harvard or somewhere like that, and it's all online, you're Mm -hmm. suddenly thinking, Hmm. (laughs) <laughs> is it worth the $50,000 or whatever it is a year to go to Harvard to do everything yeah. online? You're not getting the the experience. You get the Harvard, Harvard. experience. Yeah, yeah. You get the Harvard certificate type thing, right? <laughs> but you don't get any of the frat stuff. You don't get any of the, you, yep. you just don't get the environment. And, and I think part of the the lure of the top universities around the world is actually the other people that are there their backgrounds the connections that you make you look the at
1: network them. yeah the network. Is, i mean the network is that's why that's why parents want their kids to go because yeah. i mean let, let's be let's be honest those th- there are certain professions where it'll always add a ton of value to have a harvard law degree or, or whatever it may be but the truth is like that that's becoming less and less important to people who are just looking for because you, you can get somebody that's got a harvard degree that is going to be less effective than somebody who's got a degree from the university of Missouri. Yeah. I mean, that's, that, that's pretty, becoming less, there are some, there are some pretty big tech companies that are starting to do away with, um, Hey, you need to have a, a degree in computer science. They give you a really difficult coding test. And if you test well, like if you can, if you can code, I don't care if you haven't been exactly. in a college classroom. Like that doesn't <laughs> matter at all. So, that's, and that's um, the way
0: I, I, you know, personally, that's the way I believe it should be. Is like that yeah. a certificate does not mean that you fully understand or that you have a, an aptitude or you are the right fit for anything. It just, but just because you were able to go through a particular system does not mean you're the yeah. best person for that role.
1: Yeah, honestly, I think the biggest, I think the biggest compliment of a, of a college degree is just the fact that, okay, you, you started something and you stuck with it and finished it. That's, yeah. that should be attractive to employers. I don't know how attractive if you've got a business management degree like that. I don't, that is, I don't know what that means. Like, are you, can you solve problems? And do you even want to, like, are you, like, do you have <laughs> any, true, any, yeah. Like, do you care at all? Uh, I think that, I mean, but those things are obviously a little bit harder to, to identify and you know, in the way that we interview people tra- traditionally too. So, um, yeah, there, there's a lot to, a lot to be done there. A lot of ground to, a lot of ground to cover there. But, um, but yeah, to your point, I mean, going to be harder and harder to sell somebody on going to Harvard if they don't get to interact with, with, with those, those people and, and those connections on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. yeah.
0: And, and that, and right. that I think opens up the doorway to, to more uh, businesses providing different types of education in different, in different fields, more, more applied subjects than, you know, traditional subjects things like you know digital marketing is such a big thing at the moment understanding yeah. uh, educate you know specific skills in shorter form courses for you know actual roles that exist now rather than going and learning you know english for example and then going into a marketing yeah. role or or something like that the two things don't quite don't think don't quite line up and i think you know out of pretty much everyone i've ever spoken to that's gone through a university system hardly anyone uses is in a field that has any relevance to the degree that they did in the first place so you think well was it worth spending those three or four years racking up all that debt or could you actually shortcutted the the system and and gone directly in through through another route probably is the answer and i think i i i think what i see is the gen z's are being a seem to be a bit more entrepreneurial and bucking the trend oh, yeah. than the millennial generation that got sold the dream of what you need is a college degree. you that's where you get yeah. a good job. And then they yeah. all came out of university and found that actually there's huge competition and there aren't many good jobs and you end up doing a year long internship or something for no, for no pay to try and no get, money. get your yeah. foot in the door.
1: So I think, which is, which is crazy that that was ever a thing. i like just yeah. working for, I, I always thought that was weird, but yeah, I mean, and it's so, it's so affordable to start a business now. I mean, you really can strike up an LLC for a hundred bucks. Yeah. And, and, and if you've got, if you've, if, I mean, if you're hungry and you've got some aptitude and some problem solving skills, and if you, again, if you're a Gen Z who's grown up, uh, you know, w- with technology and you can put together some type of social, you know, some, some uh, marketing services, you might not you, you know you might not blow up or you know become the, the next huge agency but you can at least get some entrepreneurial experience which is going to be way more way more attractive and way more valuable if you do go work for somebody at some point than yeah. than being a i mean i'm personally i'm a great example of i went to i went to college and honestly growing up my whole life and even at college i was not a good student because it just i it wasn't that important to me i knew i needed to get it to have the piece of paper but I wasn't. I didn't have a super high GPA. Uh, I wasn't really, really involved in, in anything. I just knew I needed to get that piece of paper. But that has like what I as a salesperson. It, it's not. It's not related to a degree at all. No. <laughs> I mean, you you've got to you've got to put in a lot of work. And, and there are some really technical aspects of sales in terms of moving a prospect through the sales process, doing it ethically, but also building a ton of value to where. Mm-hmm. Whenever you get to the point of asking for the close, you don't even really have to ask for it because it just makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, that there's a there's a lot of technical aspects that go into that, and there are definitely sales courses and sales universities online that can help you get there, but that doesn't come with a general university four year degree.
0: No.
1: Um, and honestly, half of it is is sitting down at your desk every day and and work and just putting in the work, um, and you know picking up the phone and not be scared to to get told no. 99 times. So then you make one sale. I mean, that all that, like n- none of that is taught in, in university. And so I'm a perfect example of a millennial who who racked up debt to get a four-year degree to get a job to pay for the four-year degree <laughs> yeah, for yeah. however long. So uh, it, yeah. It no, sounds I, ridiculous I when you say it
0: that way, doesn't
1: it? <laughs> and that, but that's exactly what we did, you know? So it, it's, uh, I think, I think it's going to be, it, so I, I get married in uh, about 26 days. Oh, and uh, thank you. Yeah. And so we're, uh, you know, we're, we're still probably four years out from, from even, you know, ha- having our first child, but we're very curious to see what the education system will even look like by the time our kid is, is 18. Just because I, I don't, I don't think it's going to be go to school for four years and go get a job. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's, I, mean, I think that'll be an option, but I don't know if that'll be the, uh, the requirement for a lot of companies.
0: It's definitely, I think it's kind of, it didn't last particularly long, you know, it's kind of, I, I would say, even in the, it's really kind of a 90s, 2000s type thing that this this really That's a good is. point, yeah. You yeah. know, the 70s and 80s, not that many people went to university, having a college degree yeah. was still kind of a, a, a small minority and then it suddenly became everyone should go. And it be, I think it just just a yeah. money, money maker for the big units to be oh fair. Oh my God. I don't think it was about education Absolutely. at all, but it, it was, uh, <laughs> we all got hoodwinked into it. So <laughs> it's quite interesting. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: What was and, and so before we just move on to um, kind of some of the standard questions that, that I want to go through, be interesting yeah. to get your, what's it, what's it like now, obviously you're the, you're the one kind of kind of I would use the word escaped from the hometown and uh yeah. when what's it what's what's it like for the friends and the family and that kind of thing um for you being the one that that went away what's it like when you go
1: back it's I mean they're, they're incredibly proud and supportive I mean it's I, I, whenever I was in college, I definitely got crap for being the college boy. Like when (laughs) I come back home, but I mean, they they were always extremely, extremely happy and supportive. It was, it was nothing but nothing but love and support from them. So, um, it's, it's, uh, it's definitely, it's definitely interesting to, to see just the differences and, and kind of how, how, uh, you want to establish your life based off of, it's kind of like picking, picking pieces of, there are certain things that, what I grew up with I absolutely, you know, love certain aspects and things that my parents taught me, but then there are other things where it's like, okay, that's what not to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you kind of just mash all that together, uh, whenever you're trying to you know establish your own life. But, um, yeah, no, it's, it, it's all good when I go back home.
0: I'm always fascinated by how different people approach different circumstances. Like you say you a whole lot of family that work for the same business, but then you do something different. And it's I, it, yes. that kind of thing really fascinates me. How everyone you know, the brothers yeah. go, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna go down this route. That's that's what everyone's doing. And then you've gone, mm, I'm gonna do something different. And I, I, that, yeah. that kind of stuff really fascinates me.
1: Well, I think it's I think my family is actually a pretty good uh, pretty good. Uh, I would almost want to say case study on <laughs> yeah. the the nature the nature nurture argument yes. because so of my six siblings. Uh, four of them are step siblings so we don't share any biological uh d- dna at all um but we're we're all pretty similar in age so it's just interesting because some of us had uh so i've got three i've got three brothers, and we're all within like a three-year range
0: mm-hmm.
1: um and so we had we had really the 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 same nurture like we had the really the same environment growing up um and we all did you know, we're all very different people, obviously. And then I, I went and, and did something different. Um, but then my older brother, he's 33, I'm, I'm 28, he's 33 uh, or 34 actually now. And so he had, so obviously we have the same DNA, uh, but he had a pretty significantly different environment or nurture growing up because he was so much older than me, um, but still ended up doing the same. They, they, they kind of ended up in the same spot as my three step brothers because they, now they all work together. Um, so it, it's just, it's kind of crazy to see like it, it, that didn't really line up at all. And then they ended up in the same place. Uh, and then I kind of spit out down here to Kansas city, <laughs> but I, I did, I mean, truth is like growing up, I just, I, I think I was always really attracted to people who were highly motivated and, and successful. And when I was growing up, I, I played traveling basketball and that just exposed me to, to people to people and lives. Like I would stay with, I would stay with people on the weekends for these traveling tournaments. And quite frankly, that, you know, some of these families were much more affluent than, than me growing up. I mean, I, I always had what I needed, but it, it came at the cost of comfortability for my parents mm-hmm. a lot. Uh, I mean, six kids, right. So yeah. um, it was definitely, it was definitely very financially strapped growing up. And so I, when I started to see that and get exposed to that, um, I was like, I, I, I need to get like, just whatever it takes to get to that kind of space. That's, that's where I need to get. Um, and I mean, it came with, it came with a lot of college debt and, you know, I, I had a very unorthodox undergrad. Like I, you know, usually it's four years. Mm-hmm. I did six years cause I worked full time wow. for most of it. Um, but that put me in a spot to, you know, I got that first, that first sales job I mentioned off the, off the serving mm-hmm. floor. And then, um, you know, a couple more sales jobs. And then, you know, when I was 26, I got hired as uh, a director uh, at a consulting firm. And I was the I was the youngest person ever get hired at at the director level. Um, So it was just I I just have always been in that space where uh, it's kind of like what you what you aim at is what you see. So Mm -hmm. even if you fall short of what you're aiming at, it's still going to put you in a pretty good spot. So um, that's that's kind of how I've tried to establish myself here here in Kansas City and just kind of change the dynamic of because I've got nieces and nephews and I want them to see like mm-hmm. yeah. I, I have no I have no problem like I respect the hell out of my parents and my family and honestly I've even thought like actually are, is what they're doing is that actually more yeah. impactful on the because they're, they're actually building they're building something right like they're physically putting things together that help the economy yeah, And I'm, I mean, I'm building software, which is, or I'm selling the, the building of software, which is certainly the way the world's going. But I, I've even had that conversation with my dad, like you actually might be doing more, especially <laughs> whenever I was at my previous company, I was doing M&A transactions. So I was like, you, I'm just making companies bigger. And who knows if that's good? So, um, <laughs> yeah, who knows if anything? It. If
0: it, if it, who knows if anything of any any of us are doing is any good in the long run? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You could so, tell you you're not.
1: So I just wanted to, I just wanted to show my family that there's there's other there are other options. So, um, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's just something that I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty obsessed with on a daily basis. Is is h- how do I drive this forward and and get really really comfortable not because I want to make a crap ton of money, but like that for me, the money is a symbol of me. Like I'm doing something right. Like if, if, if I'm doing well financially, that's because I'm doing my job right and helping other people.
0: It's a a great example. You know, your exposure came from doing the basketball and traveling around. Um, But this is why I believe it's so important to read books and to look outside because that's where the, the horizons appear. Right. If you only live within your, you know, the, within a certain space mentally and physically, mm-hmm. then that's that's going to be the experience and you don't know what else is on the other side. Right. It's a bit like flat earth. You know, if you, you, you used to, people used to think the world was flat because they didn't know yeah. anything else. Right. we can. Yeah. And we look at it now and think how ridiculous. But when you've only got one perspective, you can't fly. And at best, you can yep. sail, but no one's going to go too far in case they fall off the edge. Do you know exactly? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> but so you and I think we're we're very lucky in, now. We've got the we've got access to the internet. We've got the book great books, so many books that people have been been out adventuring and come back, you know, metaphorically speaking, yep. and written that we can now expose ourselves to and know that there's there's other ways. And we don't if you if we want to choose to stay where we are, all good, but but at least know
1: that there's, yeah,
0: absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and then yeah, and I think you, you've been quite determined after that point when you, once you saw another way that became yeah. the, the, the vision and the picture in your head was something different, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think there's even there, there's so much value to be gained from <clears throat> obviously reading books as a whole is, is really beneficial for a multitude of reasons, but there, I, I, I mean, just even, the little nuggets of that, that can shape or even shift your, your mindset in terms of how you think about things. Like, so for example, as a salesperson, you know, you're, I think most people naturally, naturally as they're growing up in sales are inclined to, you know, we've got the best, this, or this price, where it's, it's all like a, about the features of mm-hmm. the product or the service. And then you, you get some experience and you learn it's, it's not about features. It's about the benefit and the value that those that the product produces and so what made me realize that is there's a, a, a an old school uh sales guy named zig ziglar and he's mm-hmm. he's been dead for a while now but he made his you know he he was really really famous and he, he wrote a lot of great books um and he had this line in this book and it was basically it was like uh you know nobody wants braces everybody wants straight teeth <laughs> this is true and so it's just little things like that where i'm like oh my gosh like that that's and it just, it changed the way that I talk to my customers now, which is better for them. Like it's not, and then ultimately it's better for me, mm-hmm. but it's it's actually, it's better for, for them. And I, I, but you don't, I didn't, I would have never, like who, who knows whenever I would have come across something like that, that just clicked for me. Um, that is just like, once you stop, it just made me realize like, stop focusing. If you stop focusing on the money, like your commission check, if you don't focus on that, they'll actually be bigger, you know, yes. like that, that's really how it works. And it just took, it takes a while and you have to get exposed to a bunch of stuff opposed to just to, you know, staying staying right here and, and making a bunch of cold calls and, and things like that. There's, there's so much more to it. And you just, you just don't get the opportunity to teach yourself that if you don't do stuff that you want, you don't want to do. Like, quite frankly, I, I never want to sit down and read. I don't want to, like, I'd rather do, I'd rather not do anything. Probably. <laughs>
0: human condition yeah. isn't it where the human wants yeah. to be lazy and watch netflix that's what we're built for
1: exactly yeah or or i'd just rather like keep actually working that because it feels productive yeah it's like if you stop and read like you can you can really gain some value from that
0: yeah uh, the famous jim Rohn quote was work harder on yourself than you do on your job and for oh, a very good reason because i like that the more skills you develop the more harder you work on you and the more skills that you you're able to develop you'll perform better in whatever job you're doing you'll be able to like you know that one line from Zig Ziglar enables you to think customer problem and how do you solve that problem yeah rather than the what peg you're going to shove into the hole um and I know, and I think I that's the, that's the important part is trying to yeah. really trying to focus on the uh, you know look at Jeff Bezos is a great example Amazon isn't you know he, he, look at the money that that company generates but it's not yeah. set out to generate the revenue. It says, right, okay, what's the problem the customer has? Right, how do we solve it? And then the next mm-hmm. one, then the next one, and they make it so damn easy that we spend all of our money with them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because yeah. they because they're so focused on solving pain points for customers, they want to make it so frictionless that it becomes the default for for spending money. The money comes. Oh my gosh!
1: Extent. You really, you just slide to pay, and it's just- yeah. Yeah, it's <laughs> over. Yeah, you get to and the point where
0: you don't even look anywhere else. You go, oh yeah, I can get it tomorrow, free delivery, and I haven't got it. I haven't even got to enter my card number. I'm not even going to look if it, see if it's cheaper somewhere
1: else. Yeah, and it's it, you. I I almost feel inclined to buy from them because of how good they're they are. I'm like, you know what? Kudos to you for figuring exactly. out <laughs> exactly how I feel Made before you've morning. met me.
0: <laughs> so true. Right, yeah. we are. We we are pushing up against the time so what i'm going to do is go through the standard questions for you and uh, get your take on some of these uh, and then we'll come on to where people can uh, track you down a bit the first question is do you have a morning routine of any sort and if you do
1: what does it look like absolutely 5 a.m wake up go to the gym and actually right so right now so my fiance and i are at an apartment and our gym is just down the parking lot essentially so right now, part of my routine is when I wake up and I'm walking from our apartment building to the gym, I kind of go from, uh, I go through, you know, Friday morning, uh, you know, the day before our wedding through, uh, Sunday, which we're, we're going to do like a Sunday morning brunch after the mm-hmm. wedding. And I just walk through that. Cause it's just, it's fun to visualize and, and think about, I mean, we're excited to, to, you know, to get married. So, uh, that's what I'm doing right now. And just kind of sets my, sets my tone for the whole day of honestly just being happy because that's. it's easy to get happy about that. So yeah, I wake up, walk to the gym, think about that workout, come back, uh, cook breakfast. And then I usually, while I'm cooking breakfast, I usually do a a few like tedious tasks, uh, like clean up my email or respond to a few things that I know I don't want to do when I'm trying to get real work done. Um, and then, so I'll do that. And then, and then hop in the shower. Uh, and and usually in the shower, I'm thinking through like four four or five things that I really want to accomplish for the day. There, my, my to-do list is always like 25 things, but then it's it's kind of like, all right, what's what's uh, impactful versus what's in, important, you know, mm-hmm. like what what's actually going to for me, I'm, you know, leading the sales org, it's like what's going to drive me closest to closing our next opportunity. Yeah. I mean, that's that's really what I've got to think about, um, as well as making sure that our process is, is global. So, um, so yeah, that's the morning routine is, is definitely, nice. I mean, the gym, if I don't wake up and go to the gym, I even told Paige this last week, I kind of beat myself up all day. Cause I just, it, I feel so much better if I wake up and go to the gym.
0: You also, I, I find you know, if you have a morning routine where something like that's part of it and if you don't do it, you feel like you've kind of given in to something <laughs> in the rest of the day. Right. So, uh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's definitely hold yourself accountable. Uh, yep. to that. uh and I also like the habit stacking effectively. So you're able to then use multi, you're kind of multitasking, what otherwise would be dead time, which is, which is yep. useful because lots of people say, oh, I haven't got time to do this and do that. But actually when you, there's lots of tasks that we do that you could do something else concurrently when it, when it's yep. straightforward stuff. So that's good. Uh, three books that you'd recommend and why?
1: All these. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, the, so two of them are related to sales. So uh, I mentioned Zig Ziglar. So his prodigy, I like to think about him as, as his prodigy is uh, Jeb Blount mm-hmm. uh, or Jeb, Jeb Blunt. It's spelled like Blount. Um, he wrote a book called fanatical prospecting and it's awesome. It, I mean, it's, it's obviously it's about outbound prospecting and just the, the, the mixture of, how you put together, especially now with, with LinkedIn, how you put together just a really healthy mixture of, of outbound prospecting to build familiarity and trust uh, with, with ideal customers. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's, it's been a lot for me and how I think about talking to, to customers at the beginning of the sales conversation to, to try to get them to feel good about interacting with me. Mm-hmm. So that's a great book. <clears throat> the second one is more on the, <clears throat> excuse me, we're on the, the set, the back half of the sales process. It's called uh, Let's Get Real or Let's Not Play by Mahan Khalsa. It's, it's a pretty well-known, I think it's pretty well-known. It's been around for a while. And it's, it's the kind of the solution selling approach or the consultative approach where it's like, hey, uh, we don't have to work together. Uh, like this, if this makes sense, let's work together. If not, no hard feelings, we'll both respectfully move on. Um, and it's just very, he's just very good at cutting through like he, he made me realize that a lot of my stuff was, I, I was saying a lot of stuff in my sales conversations that I just didn't need to say, like, it was just me fluffing up the sales conversation. Cause I was, you know, a, a young salesperson, you're just trying to sound like, you know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And the reality is like, you don't need to tell them what, you know, you just need to listen to them and say a little bit. Like it, it, And so, so he just great. did a lot for me. Yeah. Yeah. He just did a lot for me in, in, uh, just just keep, keeping it just cutting the fat off of sales conversations. So like so th- those two, and then I'm gonna go way left field with this just because it's a really fun book. Uh, there's a book called uh, The Mafia and the Machine. And the reason I want to talk about this book is because a lot of people don't know how important Kansas City was to organized crime expanding. <laughs> uh, and I, I just I just got a huge affinity for like mafia stuff. Uh, and Kansas City was, like, it, it was a part of the original group of organized crime in the U.S. Like, we were, we were a hotbed for organized crime at, at one point, like, back in, like, during the Great Depression. Like, there was, there was a guy named Tom Pendergrass who, he was a councilman, got elected to office. And he, and he, he ran, a, he ran uh, a couple different arms of, of the mafia, um, ran 24 saloons doing pro, during Prohibition. And he, at one point he had handpicked like 124 of 136 police officers on staff. <laughs> so it's, it's a, it's just a book about Kansas city mafia and it's absolutely fascinating. So yeah, it's called the mafia and the machine. So that's kind <laughs> of way left field, but it's, it's a really fun read. Good. I like that. Uh, yeah. three people
0: you'd recommend, uh, following or listening to.
1: Hmm. Um, I, I, he, he's pretty mainstream, but I still really like him. Uh, Simon Sinek. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, he's great about leadership. Yeah. He's got, you know, the start with why, uh, you know, leaders eat last type, type thing. Um, I, I really like him. Um, there, there's a guy named, uh, and I might butcher his last name. Uh, his name's Tom. I think it's Bailu uh,
0: oh, or yes. Bilyu. Yeah,
1: Bilyu, yeah from yeah. Yeah. The, the, impact, impact theory. theory mm-hmm. yeah, quite, yeah. Yeah. So I think he he's great about mindset and he's just a good example of like, he's, he's shown real footage and real pictures of he used to be an absolute chump and he'd say that like he'll tell you that like he used to be a bum um and now he, you know he sold a company for over a billion dollars yeah um so uh those two guys and then a third person to follow let's see here that's a good question uh honestly i mean I, i might be a little bit biased but I really think that my CEO is a pretty good guy to, to follow. I mean, he doesn't have a following like, like Tom or Simon, but I mean, again, you know, he, he's a dude who, you know, he, he doesn't have a college degree. He's built and sold companies a couple of times that were multi million dollar companies. Um, and he's just an absolute hustler. He, and he actually wrote a book. I, I think I mentioned earlier, million dollar bedroom. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he, he wrote another book called balance me. It's about, you know, work, life balance and how it's, it's, it's not, it's really two separate things. If you're an entrepreneur, it's, it's figuring out how to make it all one thing that, that makes sense. Um, and they were both Amazon bestsellers. So, uh, I think I'm going to go with, with Matt and, uh, I'm not just boiling smoke. I think he's, he's a pretty solid <laughs> guy to follow. I'm going
0: to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a look at the, uh, millionaire bedroom. That sounds interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, three good habits um, or disciplines that you've adopted. Um, and what's, what's been good about them?
1: Definitely exercise. Um, so I mentioned I grew up playing basketball, uh, so I was, always, I was always in shape. I played basketball all year round, so I didn't even know what it was like to be out of shape, so I didn't realize how much it sucks. And then my freshman year of college, I, was playing, I played basketball at a, a small college here in the U.S., and um, I, I just shattered my foot one day at practice, and I was on crutches for about six months. And that was the first time in my life where I was out of shape. And so getting back into shape was awful. And I was, and I just, and you just feel like crap when you're not in shape, but you don't really, like, I, I, I didn't know that because I'd never not been in shape. And so it just, it, for like, for uh, just stress relief and, and clarity and just feeling like when you're walking, like your legs just feel better. Your <laughs> yeah. torso feels, it's just like, you just feel, you just feel more confident. So uh, exercise, um, re- reading is, is, I mean, because think about, Think about if you just read for 30 minutes a day, literally about anything. I don't care if you have a book or just uh, 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 an article or if it's Mafia in the Machine, but just think about the cumulative impact of reading for 30 minutes a day. Think if you read 30 minutes a day for six months, like opposed to watching an episode of The Office. Which, by the way, I'm guilty that I love The Office, but <laughs> it's like if you just read 30 minutes a day, you you will know so much more. Even if even if it's just from a vocabulary standpoint and like a a, a context standpoint, you just you gain so much. So, um, exercise, reading, um, and a third one, I would just just do I, I, it's not even like a specific activity, just something that makes you uncomfortable because if you can, if you can, uh, train, if you can kind of train yourself to when you do something uncomfortable or something, you're like, for example, like this type of thing used to make me really, really nervous. Like I used to get nervous before, uh podcasts or conversations that i knew might people might hear or like getting on stage in front of people mm-hmm. uh and then you do it enough and when you get in that spot where you start feeling a little bit of anxiety and you kind of turn that into no that's just i'm just excited opposed to oh crap this might it's mm-hmm. like if you can get but you have to you have to like recognize you're having that thought and then tell yourself you got like train yourself on no i'm just pumped about this like i'm excited to go to go share my experience opposed to like, Oh, I wonder what people are going to think if I say something wrong or, or something like that. So I think the third thing is just whatever you can do to get, to get really uncomfortable. Um, It kind of goes back to just, uh, you know, opening your, your horizons a little bit.
0: Yeah. hundred percent. I think um, it's, it's easy to shy away from the, the, the discomfort and the fear, but everything, yeah. you know, the famous line, everything we want is on the other side of fear is absolutely true. And yeah. we've all got different fears and different self-beliefs and limitations that we need to push through and the more you do it the more normal it becomes and and yeah i completely agree with that uh three... well the crazy
1: thing is that it's just it's just made up yeah
0: yeah it is it's all everything's we, we it's all these stories <laughs> really that we've just... created for
1: ourselves <laughs> uh... that's what that's what's crazy like you did oh you just made that up you're yeah that's, that's ridiculous
0: yeah yeah it is, it is an unbelievably de- it's just all of these all of these uh, contributing factors through your life that go to create the stories that we tell ourselves <laughs> and then we believe yep. them and then when when someone says oh you can tell yourself a different story you go i can't fool myself you well, you have done up till now <laughs> so yeah. absolutely you can um three tools or systems apps uh or anything like that that you use all the time that you think are really good and you probably couldn't live without
1: audible for sure i mean that's that's like, when we talk about uh you know doing multiple things at once i mean i'm always listening to a book when i'm working out which my fiance thinks i'm a psycho for doing that because she she's like i i need to listen to music till i get pumped to go work out um but i'll just listen to books or podcasts nice. um so uh so audible um honestly man for, for me it, you know in a sales and a sales position. Uh, I spend a lot of my time in Salesforce and I absolutely, I mean, it, like it ends up being a life organizer for me because I, I, you know, especially working for, you know, somewhat of a startup, like it's not a nine to five and I mean, sales is a nine to five ever. um, No matter who you work for. Um, So, I mean, Salesforce actually keeps me really, really organized on actually being effective in my day. Um, uh, I, 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 I just think it's whatever works for you on having a short to-do list of, of things that you can actually accomplish. So from, from a system standpoint, I don't even, use, like my to-do list, I still do on paper. Um, and I, I find that I, easier
0: too as well. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, and I and I split it in terms of, I mentioned earlier, but what's, what's impactful versus what's important because you can, there are certain things that I feel like might be important, but impactful is, and also that, that impactful to-do list is not just, what's impactful for full scale. Like, you know, planning a wedding right now, there are things that I weave that right into my Mm -hmm. work day. Um, And so I think whatever system you, you, you know, if you, I don't like using apps for that. I don't know why I just don't. Um, So I do it on paper and it's again, on your, on your urgent, if you have more than five things, you probably are lying to yourself. Like you don't, you don't need to get that. Like you don't have 12 urgent things. And if you do, you need to take a day off work. Yeah. And, and you're not going to get them done anyway. Are you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like think about all the, to do things that just transfer over day after day. Mm. You know, other stuff that. You know, like finish. Yeah. Take a take a Saturday morning and knock it out in an hour, but don't worry about those during the week. Cause it's obviously not that important if you're just moving them from Tuesday to Wednesday's to do list.
0: So true. So true. Yeah. Uh, the final question is if you had one hour with anybody dead or alive, who would that
1: person be? Oh, you know, for as, for as common as this question is, I've actually never thought about it. I know. Um,
0: and the thing is, I ask it so often that I do think about it a lot. And that, thankfully, I don't have to choose because there's, <laughs> the list is so long. <laughs> I don't know how I would yeah. do it.
1: But. Yeah. Um, man, that's a really good question. There are are a lot of, a lot of options. Um, I, I think I, I, I've got maybe a little bit of a, of a weird, of a weird one. Um, I think I would actually, I think I would actually, Oh wait, no, I would probably do Richard Dawkins. Interesting. Why? Yeah. I just, he, he shattered my entire, which is a good thing. He shattered my entire perspective on life. Like, and, it, but it was such a, a great, uh, and not even that I, you know, adopt all of his beliefs. He just made me think about life differently. I, he just, he was so polar opposite from how I thought, but he, he, he presented things in a way that for people who disagree with his beliefs, you still can gain a lot of value from his. Uh, and so I think I'd be interested to number one, like I, 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 you know, you, everybody has their own personal convictions and you would love if as many people as you know, agree with you. And he did a really good job of making me see his perspective. Uh, and so it's like, okay, how do you formulate your conversations in a way that pulled me pull people in? Cause mm-hmm. I, I want to get really good at, at effective communication. Uh, and then secondly, I, I just think he's a, he's a genius. He was a genius. And so, um, or is, is a genius? Uh, I think I'm thinking of Chris, Christopher Hitchens. He he passed away. I think Richard Dawkins is still is still hanging yeah, around.
0: I think Dawkins is still around.
1: Yeah, um, yeah. I just think I would have. A, I would love to just sit down and talk with him for for hours. So that's that's my best one off the top. If I think if I think oh. of a better one, uh, my first my first initial reaction was Michael Jordan, but that's just because I grew up obsessed with him. So yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. I, I I think I've become more obsessed with Michael Jordan in recent times than. I yeah. probably was even in the nineties when he was playing, but probably because, you know, when I grew up through the nineties, um, basketball wasn't on that much over here. Right. Cause it's, it, it's, uh, not, it's, it's not quite like dramatic. it was, uh, it's not quite like it is now where the NBA is on all the time. Globally, yeah. it was still yeah. growing back then. And, and, you know, Michael Jordan was one of the forces behind the fact that of the NBA growing like it did because he was so marketable yeah. So I watched um, game changers, uh, not game changer. Sorry, uh, the last dance.
1: The last dance. Uh, yeah,
0: yeah. And I watched that a couple of times, uh, and it's so good. Um, his mindset was something else.
1: Oh my gosh! Yeah, he's he's an example of you. You you kind of have to give into a level of psychosis if you really want to be like that guy. Yeah. Like you don't you you don't get to be complete. You don't get to be normal and sane all the time <laughs> if you want to be the best in the world. Like. God, that guy was a maniac, but I mean, he's yeah, he's a fascinating person for sure.
0: He, just, I think, it was his power not to live in the future and in the past was one of the greatest things. And I think if if That's anyone a great way to put it. If anyone watches that thing and takes anything away from it, it's the fact he did not worry about making mistakes, and he didn't he didn't relive the mistakes over and over again. He focused on what he could control there and yeah. then. And sometimes he took extra control because he didn't have the trust in other people but um yeah that's the i think the th- single thing that made the biggest difference was his ability to be in the in the moment in the now and focus on on that 100 percent. that made such a difference and then since he gave you know since he retired and bearing in mind his while his salary was big for the time compared to now it was pretty small and he's yep. and and now he's got a couple of He's worth a couple of billion but yep his mindset hasn't gone away and <laughs> you know, no. Uh, no. So, yeah, whereas a lot of people leave sports and that's the only thing they know. And that, but he's clearly driven in, in everything that he does.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's just watching those, uh, the little things of like b- before the games where he was, uh, playing those little games with like his, his security, his security constantly just, the coins. <laughs> yeah. He's constantly competing. He just wanted to beat everybody Yeah. Which, you know, he went to the right line of work and he didn't he beat everybody yeah it was unbelievable yeah, yeah really good yeah uh,
0: right before we wrap up uh, let everyone know where they if they want to get a hold of uh, you or want to hear more about uh, full scale then where they can find out more information
1: yeah I would just I mean LinkedIn is, is really the best spot for all of us so um, yeah just Cooper cross on LinkedIn full scale is, is a LinkedIn page and then Again, uh, the Startup Hustle podcast, we've, we've got a LinkedIn page. Uh, it, it's, a, it's, a great, it's a great little ecosystem. Again, you know, Matt and Matt, they co-host the main show, but we also have a Startup Hustle network. And underneath of that is a, a, few, uh, a few hosts. They have weekly shows. We have one that's focused on e-commerce. We have a guy named Andrew who runs a, a company called Marknology, and he's, he's built a lot of e-commerce brands. Um, and done a lot of Amazon selling. So he hosts the show. We've got a, 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 woman who runs a nonprofit, uh, female entrepreneurship organization here in Kansas city. She runs a show and brings on woman entrepreneurs. Uh, so we, we've got a little network and so it's really a great variety, but it's all related to entrepreneurship and the startup hustle.
0: Nice. Really good. Yeah. I recommend uh, checking, checking all that out and we'll make sure, um, we've got links uh, once this goes out links out to everything so thank you very Perfect. much for uh giving up your time and yeah. uh for everyone who's listened thank you very much and if you've uh like i say if you want to check it out we'll make sure we've got links and um uh remember to kind of follow and like share do all of yeah. the good stuff all do all stuff. of the good yeah. <laughs> stuff uh, help us spread the word uh, and until next time thank you very much cheers cooper
1: thank you take care
0: you so much for listening to this conversation if you enjoyed it and you'd like to hear more similar episodes head over to pocketmastermind.com where you'll also find the links mentioned in this conversation and if you haven't done so already please leave us a review it'll really help us to get our message out and let more people know about these episodes so leave us a review leave us a rating hit the subscribe button and please share with your friends until next time thank you again for listening